Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White. It is the 19th day of February, and in real time, or really rather when this airs, uh, I'll be at the Southside General Baptist Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, this morning ministering. My dad is the pastor there. I'll be ministering for him and his good congregation. We get to see a lot of our uh, friends from the past and supporters from the present and uh, hopefully friends in the future. We'll be ministering something. My, my plan, as of the time I record this, is to minister something from my recent book, Greater Than Jonah. We haven't brought the book physically to, to Missouri yet, and so uh, we've sold a lot online there, but we're going to bring it bring it there. We're going to try to do that a little bit more in 23 when we go into these churches is minister some things from that book as a way of uh, promoting it just a little bit. So um, next weekend, we're in Chapin, South Carolina and Flowery Branch, Georgia, and we'd love to have you with us uh, uh, if you can be in those meetings. Today, we are in Mark chapter 3, and I think we're going to just finish up this chapter today. There's five verses remaining beginning in verse 31 through verse 35. Let's go ahead and read straight through We'll make and make our comments today and try to close out this chapter. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside they sent to him, calling him. Of course, him is Jesus. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. By the way, our earliest Greek right here also adds your sister's. So it sounds like your mother, your brother, and your sisters are outside seeking. I'm not sure why that sisters got dropped over the years, but in the earliest fragments of the Greek we have found of Mark, there's that phrase regarding his sisters. But he answered them and said, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. And in this last verse, Jesus uses sister, even though he had not used sister before, which is interesting. And like I said to you a moment ago, that somehow that got dropped over the years, and maybe it should not have, because Jesus, by his own confirmation, verse 35, includes sisters in his comment. Okay, now that's just, that's logistics in a way. That doesn't really say a lot to us spiritually. There's a couple of things in this that stand out to me. And one is that we find the family of Jesus, whom a little earlier in the chapter, his own people said he had lost his mind. We are to assume this is a little more descriptive of his own people, his mother, his brothers, and his sisters. So one of the things that stands out here is who's not there, and that's Joseph, his father. Joseph vanishes from the scene uh, and does not appear in the adult Jesus. It doesn't appear in his life. And Jesus never refers to him as an adult. And so we are to assume that Joseph has died and that Jesus is left with his mother, his brother, and his sisters. And that would make Jesus, if he was the firstborn, in in effect financially responsible for his family, or at least for his mother. Um, His brothers and sisters are, are no doubt adults as well, but he would have taken the role as the leader in the family. There seems to be an affection in Jesus towards the widow at Nain when he heal, her, He goes into the funeral of her son and he reaches out and touches the casket, the beer, as it walks by, passes by. The Bible says the young man sets up and speaks. And 
it seems to be an affection that Jesus has for healing this young man because this young man was all the woman had left. And since they lived in an economy where the young man would have been the financial head of the house if his mother was a widow, maybe Jesus in healing the young man at Nain is looking at his own self, that this is what I do, taking care of my mom. And we see that in John's gospel when Jesus gives his mother over to the disciple whom he loved. Woman, here's your son, son, here's your mother. And there's that responsibility of him taking care of his mom. And he has to do this because Joseph is gone. So those that's the natural. We dealt with the logistics, sort of the, the, the literary side of it. And then you deal with the natural side of it. And part of that natural side of it is that that natural family thought Jesus had lost his mind. And perhaps they thought he lost his mind because he's all of a sudden starting to talk like someone who has, um, in our vernacular, delusions of grandeur. You know, like he's speaking as someone who they, they didn't recognize, which kind of tells us that Jesus didn't, did not display the power of God in his day-to-day life before the River Jordan that he does afterwards, which makes sense because he, he steps into his ministry at Jordan. And the perception then from his family is, well, he's crazy. This isn't the way we raised him. This is what, not what we've seen. And maybe the fact that Jesus is now sort of out on tour, out doing the will of his heavenly father, um, there's, maybe there's a little resentment from the family that he didn't do these things when he lived at home. He didn't heal uncle so-and-so when he was sick. And by the way, why isn't Jesus out here doing something monetarily to bring us money? He's the head of the house. We, we, those are questions we, we don't have answers to, but they seem pretty natural. From the spiritual output or uh, outlook of this scripture, Jesus looks around in the circle and says, here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my mother, brother, and sister. In short, I have embraced a family that is beyond blood. And if you do the will of my father, you and I are family. We are true family. And I'll, I'll, I'll head towards the close today with this thought. You might not have natural family. You might have lost your parents. You might not be married. You might not have any children. You might um, have been estranged through who you are or what you've done. But the beauty is that in Christ, we have another family. And so we can embrace the brotherhood. And I mean that in a, in a Christian sense. The brotherhood of man in knowing Christ, knowing the Father through Christ. In which, and I've seen this to be true more times than I can count. In which that family actually becomes more important to you than your own family. And I think that's the way that it's supposed to be in that it unifies us in Christ in a way that not even natural blood sometimes allows us to be unified. Because we, we don't really judge anybody like we judge our own family, which is unfortunate. And what happens is a lot of times families are fractured by that. We're supposed to be able to come to Christ judgment-free. Unfortunately, that's not the way people treat this a lot of times. But being in him then makes you the brother and the sister and the mother. And one more thing. I, I don't think you have to give these titles to people, 
hey, brother, hey, sister. But I also don't think it should be cause for such offense. I know there's a little PTSD with some of us with religion because people called you brother and then they stabbed you in the front or the back. I get it that you don't want to be called brother or sister, but it's also a term of endearment. It is saying, you're my family. You're my real family, and I want to call you my brother or I'll call you my sister. Tomorrow, we'll start a new week and we'll, uh, a new work week, I guess you should say, and we will start a new chapter as we'll jump into Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. I hope you have a great day. God bless.